Good to see each one of you today. We are in Matthew's gospel. It is the good news of Jesus of Nazareth, right? The gospel of Matthew is written as a biography of this, uh, this, this man from the Middle East who we follow, who we come to understand through it that he is God, the son of God. The, the cool thing is that we get the opportunity to study God's word. Now, this is not like any other book uh, that you may pull off the shelf. We believe that it is uh, not only Matthew's writings, but in specifically in Matthew that we're talking about, but it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, guided to this very day that you needed to hear and we all needed to hear. So would you stand with me as we take a read of our passage today from Matthew 6, 16 through 18. It says this, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will be not be obvious, will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Thank you for standing and honoring God's word this morning. Today we're going to talk about the practice which may not seem much, uh, much like a practice for some of us because maybe we have not practiced it as much as we would like. And for others, maybe we have not come to understand that it even was a practice at all. I mean, fasting, right? Don't you go to the gym and do something? You don't have abstinence from something. You actually do something to get something to get stronger. In fact, the word and the whole concept seems really abnormal, really, to get stronger, to be closer, or whatever the case may be. But the crazy thing about Scripture is that fasting seems to be one of those practices that actually creates greater endurance, greater perseverance, and uh, develops a relationship with God in, in, a, in just an intimate way. When practiced, as Jesus has already said, in the right spirit. But before we get to the passage this morning, when you think about fasting, what's the, what's the most recent kind of fasting you've done? Now, maybe you've done more of a, uh, a fast that we're going to talk about this morning, but what is the kind of fast that you do? There's some images, Tommy, that I think, there you go. One of them is, you know, some of you, I hope you're not squeamish, there was no needle, so I made sure of that, but most of us, we are fasting because of medical reasons, whether a stress test or blood draw or some other reason. I mean, the doctor says, hey, we need to do some blood tests, and then they say, guess what, you, uh, you will not be able to eat or drink for a period of time because we need to get, you know, solid, uh, solid records, right? The second, uh, the second most popular uh, way of fasting, if you were to just pull it up on Google, is intermittent fasting, which has maybe some medical benefits, but really has more the idea of weight control and weight loss, and, uh, and for some people, it's, it's part of their regimen of exercise and health, right? So when it comes to religious uh, aspect, right, of fasting, it's it's kind of foreign to many of us in many ways. Uh, it's a practice that's not 
engaged in often. And so today as we investigate it, maybe that's what's going into your mind as we talk about it and spend some time on it. I, I want to remind you that in this discourse, while it's very short, Jesus is on a mountainside seated with his disciples and a crowd that he's gathered around him who he has uh, introduced the kingdom to, not only in words, but in ways. I mean, he's radically healed people. He's uh, amazed them with teaching. There's some radical restoration, as we even talked about and prayed through and sang about earlier. There's restoration that is taking place that they have never experienced before. And so this crowd has gathered around them. It's peculiar that this large of a crowd would gather in this way. John the Baptist was the precursor to Jesus. He was the forerunner, as we would say. He was a different kind of person, and he drew a crowd to the Jordan. Yet Jesus was far more intriguing, and can I say, uh, maybe even far more inviting uh, to all. John the Baptist's uh, discourse was a little harsh, on the end of, if you will, you know, repent, uh, you know, there's someone coming after. But he led the way. And so we have Jesus who's who's leading us through what we call the Sermon on the Mount and setting up this, this, this conversation about the kingdom and how it looks and the ways in which it comes about. And so thus, fasting. Last week we talked about when you pray, but today we talk about when you fast. He says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. As with prayer, fasting is not to be done to be seen by others. It is an opportunity for you and your heavenly Father to expand your heart, for him to expand your heart and mind and soul. And again, while most intend... Uh, to be, uh, most do not, I don't think most of us want to be uh, seen when we're fasting here, then it was course of action. That if you were fasting, that oftentimes people would be disheveled. They would show that they're fasting. And uh, they would want to be seen because it was part of the piety of the day. And Jesus is giving them a full-on warning. C.B. Bass states this, in general, in the Old Testament, fasting was abused. This may be why Jesus is saying this. Instead of a sincere act of self-renunciation and submission to God, fasting became an externalized as an empty half ritual, or an empty ritual, excuse me, in which a pretense of piety was presented as a public image. Hence the prophets cry out against the callousness of hypocrisy. In Jeremiah 14, 12, God states to Jeremiah, although they fast, they do not listen I, I will not, excuse me, he says, I will not listen to, the, to their cry. In Isaiah 58, 1 through 10, we read, and you can do this later, it is recorded that the people fast, but they don't do it to draw close to God. They do it to, to be uh, demonstrated about their religion, not their relationship, not their heartbreaking. And they go through the motions. They want to be seen by Yahweh or God, but only to use it as a leverage to manipulate God to do what they want and Jesus is saying to us now and he's told them then it's not why you fast 
says this, though, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that you will not be obvious to, uh, it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So we have to ask the question, and we may know the practical outcomings of this, but what is fasting? What is fasting? Biblical fasting is specifically this. It's going without food or water for a period of time, generally. Uh, yet, the most famous fast, probably from the Old Testament, and the one that has, have, has had numerous books around, written about it, is not necessarily about abstaining from food and water. It's the Daniel fast, which is a limited uh, fast, if you will. But even that being the case, it is ascribed throughout Scripture as food and water. Well, today, we kind of have changed it a little bit. We we'll, may talk about that in a few moments. But I love this quote from St. Basil the Great. We don't dig into this too often. He, he wrote from 250 AD to 300. We're not sure, I'm not sure when this was written. But this is what he says. Fasting is as old as humanity. It was legislated, his words, not mine, in paradise. It was the first command that Adam received. You shall not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat legislates fasting and self-control. If Eve had fasted from the tree, we would not need this fasting now. For those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, but for those who are sick, we have been injured by sin. Let us be healed by repentance. But repentance is futile without fasting. I just find that intriguing that I would have never traced it back there, all the way back to, you know, Genesis 1 and 2, but he traces it all the way back there and says, oh, no, 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 fasting has, is, is old. It's long before it was asked for, it was legislated, if you will. But I love this line, and we'll get to it. Repentance is futile without fasting. Wow. Robert Mohan says this, the essence of fasting is the separation of ourselves from something in order to offer ourselves in greater measure to God. Now think about that. When you, yeah, you hear the kids? Isn't that great? That's awesome. Uh, when you think about fasting, let me ask this question, is that why you fast? The essence of fasting is the separation of ourselves from something in order to offer ourselves in greater measure to God. Slavery comes in many different forms. Take up your cross. Jesus says, come follow me. You who are, we come, who are weary, come follow me. I mean, all of these all around. And I, he even says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? Jesus is laying this out and he says, this is the course, so Jesus is asking us to come to him on a regular basis and fasting becomes one of those practices in which we, we don't use him as a leverage or a fulcrum to get something from him but to go to him. So separate ourselves to abstain or even surrender completely for a greater measure to engage and experience God. That's the only reason. So again, let's ask the question why fast why fast well Jesus said when you fast that's a good reason right Jesus said but I love again Robert Mulhan's description because fasting within itself is that but 
there's something within our, our followership of Jesus that happens to us. And he addresses it. He says this, one of the main purposes of fasting is to wean us from our dependence on God's gifts. And all of us would like to go, what? And enable us to become dependent on God alone. We have a powerful tendency to grasp for ourselves the gifts God gives, uh, gives for the meeting of life's needs. Now think about this. Think through this. This is powerful. I think it's really powerful. We constantly succumb to the temptation to become dependent on these things for our well-being and wholeness. Whenever our, whenever our grasp of something God has given for our sustenance and well-being com- becomes destructive bondage de- of dependence and idol, a discipline of fasting is needed. Now think about this. Last week we we said, hey, when you need something, Jesus says, ask, right? He says, we pray for our food today. He wants us to ask for those gifts. He wants us to go to him and say, oh, Lord, can you, can you save me from this situation? Can you make sure that there are financial wherewithal? Can I, have, can I have a job, Jesus? And he provides those jobs and all of those good gifts. But the crazy thing is that God's not an ATM. He's not a vending machine. He wants an intimate relationship with each one of us and fasting, as Robert Mulholland in Invitation to a Journey says, is an invitation to to kind of rid ourselves of that dependence even on the good things that God gives us. Because often we go, we we want the the good over the best. Right? We, We settle for a lesser desire and not him and him alone. Now think about this. In the prayer that we walked through last week and that many of us pray uh, literally, you know, uh, word for word and we use as an example, it says at the very top and th- that we're to hallow his name. When, when, when we think about think, keeping God's name holy and we put it in the context of prayer, what I found with myself and when I'm in the context of meeting with other and praying with other people, which is good and right to do, is that we, we don't know what it is to adore God for his character. We only know how to praise him for his gifts. Now, that's an overstatement, but it's really difficult for us to say, oh, God, you're holy, and said in that, oh, God, you are love. And said in that, you might go, what do you mean by that? I think we're to encounter, encounter God in the person, not encounter God in the gifts. Now think about this. Mom, dad, grandpa and grandma, aunt and uncle, we love our kids and grandkids and nieces and nephews and all of that, right? We love them. But what if, what if the only thing that happened was a transactional relationship between you and them? They come and say, Dad, I need 20 bucks. All right, here you go. And they walk away and they go, oh, my dad, he's great. But the only time you ever hear of them is when they, Dad, I need more gas in my car. So you give them a little more gas. I mean, what kind of a relationship is that? Now, those are good things. And we, in right, right and proper proportions, we need to do those things. But isn't it wonderful isn't it wonderful when we have, we catch, the, catch those places and the spaces of time? We're on a trip 
right? We've, we've separated ourselves from the things that we're like, that compel us to, you know, the compulsion things, right? The laundry has to get done. We separate ourselves with our kids, our grandkids, our families, and we sit down and we're, we're just playing a game. And laughter and conversation and beauty starts to erupt. What happens? We begin to see the character that God is developing in our kids and our one another. It's a beautiful thing. I think, I think that's exactly what Bob Mulholland is trying to say to us. He's like, oh, he wants to give you these things. And he will give them to you when you need them. <laughs> but he wants you. He wants your hearts. He wants your fullest attention, and he wants your fullest affections. <laughs> I think some of us have been long overdue to fast in that direction. But what does scripture say about fasting? Why fast? What's, what is said in scripture? Well, there's a few. There's probably more, uh, but there's a few that we can probably land on that help us, and then put it in a container of what it means to fast in order to get more God, not get more things. As a response to our sin. Here's a scripture that we, he says, uh, that is why the Lord says, turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. By the way, the Old Testament, that is, that is an identifier. Those, are, those terms is, is the name of Yahweh. You go to Exodus 34, you'll see that that's what God calls himself. He's, I'm a God who is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. But when we recognize sin in our lives, what is our first response? What's our desired response? What is God's desired response, maybe? I would suggest that possibly the practice of fasting may be our, one of our first responses. It's like, oh, I've separated myself from you, oh God. Please accept this fast. Draw me into your presence. Reveal to me why. And where this erupted, maybe you already know. But scripture says, and God calls people to, hey, when you're separated from me because of sin in your life, fasting is a proper and right response, not to get my forgiveness, but to be in a right relationship with me. How about this one? When God seems absent, Scripture says when they gathered at Mizpah in great ceremony here, God, they drew, they drew water from a well and poured it out before the Lord. They also went without food all day and confessed that they had sinned against God. God had been separated from them as a community and the only thing that they could think to do was like, oh, I'm not sure I understand all of this, but to pour out water, I'm like, we're gonna be absent of that. We're just gonna set in this. Lord, we need you to come close to us. We need you to come near. Friday, or on uh, Friday night, we uh, had the awakening, and some of you were with us, a, a beautiful time. But Superintendent Bruce Rhodes, some of you know him, he was your pastor Bruce, right? Challenged us to revival. 
the, just the falling of God's love on us in a radical way that we would live it out, that's what we're talking about. When God seems absent and we can't live out that love, we can't give away who we are or who he is in us, we need to draw close to him. And when he's absent, we tend to draw the other way. We tend to fill ourselves with other things that are good but are not right. Activity of busyness instead of the, the presence of Fasting, abstaining from food, water, maybe other things in order to, to be in right relationship. Oh, Lord, forgive us. How about this one? When we're complicit in inju- injustice. Some of us, we know this. We've walked through this in recent days, rightly, rightly so. Isaiah 58 says this, No, this is the kind of fasting I want, free from those who are wrongly imprisoned, Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like a dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. This is a call to fasting in the section. And he says, when you fast, when you draw close to me, there is an action, equal reaction that comes out of you, not because of, of leveraging me, because you know the right thing to do is to, to, to loosen the chains of injustice around you, to be a help to those who need you. And when we present ourselves in a place of fasting, we are rightly posturing our hearts in a place where we're ready when those times and moments come. How about confronting grief and death? Our custom many times is often in those places and spaces as we provide food, and I think that's rightly, that's right. But scripture talks about the fact that when we're confronted with these things that we might find ourselves absent, just trying to draw clear to try to give, allowing his peace to penetrate our grief and our sorrow, our confusion, Jesus rightly reminds those who were seeking to have his disciples fast, like John's disciples, that they will fast one day. They will fast when I am taken from them. And when that happens, there's confusion, there's death, there's, there's questions, and we, we set, ourselves, set ourselves aside in the practice of fasting in order to gain more of a greater greater measure of God. How about simply this? Training the body. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, don't you realize that a race, uh, in a race everyone runs, but only one gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an external prize. So we don't do, we do, we do it for an external prize. So I run with a purpose, uh, but yeah, I run with a purpose in every step. I'm not shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might be disqualified. Paul says, look, I realize, we'll get to this in a moment, I realize that it's not just my mind and my soul that serves God. 
but I realize that it's my mind, my body, and my soul that is fully surrendered to God for his work and service. And much like intermittent fasting, there's a close correlation here, I suppose, in some ways, would be. It's reminding ourselves that we're whole beings. I I like how, uh, I've enjoyed how um, Scott McKnight in, in Ancient Practices speaks about fasting. And this may help you a little bit. It's just a quick little chart that uh, I procured somewhere from somebody else graciously. But it helps to understand. So oftentimes we use fasting as an instrument to get. We may not think of it that way, but a lot of times we do. I, I don't know the answers. I'm going to go to God and I'm going to get an answer. Right? But Scott McKnight argues that really and truly what we find in scripture is that there are these sacred moments that are offered to us. We find ourselves, we've already talked about them, in death, sin, fear, threats, needs, or sickness. And we present ourselves before the God, before God not, to, not to get something from him, but to find in him these outcomes of life, forgiveness, comfort, safety, provision, and healing because of who he is not because of what we can get. And I know there's a fine line because God's a giver and he desires to give, but he wishes it to be those sacred moments where you draw close to him. Maybe this quote will help you a little bit. We fast not as a response, but we fast as a response, not for a response. Right? So let me say that again. We fast as a response, not for a response. These things are in our lives and we want to see them changed. So let me ask the question, why don't we fast? Or maybe more more truly, yeah, why don't we fast? Uh, Again, Scott McKnight argues this. It has to do with a whole body experience when it comes to religion. That we are flesh, mind, heart, and spirit. We are flesh, mind, heart, and spirit. And fasting is a whole body and soul practice. You went one too far. There you go. And you might go, what? Well, let me, let me tell you why this is so important. We are educated and uh, trained in more of a Greco, well, more of a, uh, an educational system that says your, your mind is what moves you. Your mind and potentially your, your, that part of you is what if we inform you, then you can do what we've asked you to do. Well, most of us or many of us have come to the understanding, well, that's not totally true. Some of us learn in different ways and different processes and it's partly because God has made us as whole beings. That it's not just about our minds. If we learn that we need to eat less, to weigh less, that doesn't help us completely. There is a practice that has to follow. And what Scott McKnight argues is that it is this idea that the soul and the body need to learn to talk to each other. He calls it body talk, but I'm you can read his book and walk into that. And I think he's right about that. Because we walk through educational systems that inform our minds, but do not necessarily train our bodies. 
unless you're in a trade. And we think that telling something, somebody something is the, the right and only and maybe the necessary way to do things. And I think he's on to something. In fact, he says in the quote, fasting is one way you and I bring our entire selves into complete expression. The Bible, because it advocates clearly that the person, heart, mind, soul, heart, mind, spirit, and body, is an embodied unity, assumes that fasting as body talk is inevitable. Let me give you an example that, uh, that many of us are probably aware of. Um, if we were asked to share what are our emotions, how we're feeling in this moment, the majority of us would stammer. We might come up with happy, sad, I'm okay. It just, it, it's, it's because we're not becoming more and more integrated as individuals to become more and more aware, not only of our, of our minds, what we think, but how our emotions are affecting our body and our body are affecting our emotions and our minds and how we work it all out. And fasting is one of those practices that pulls that all together, forces it together for us. If we practice it in a way, I believe that, the, that we're called to biblically, we're forcing it to be pulled together and integrated it into a whole. I realize that this is maybe, we're not talking all the technicalities that need to go into this nuance, but I believe this is one of the reasons we have difficulty in our spiritual lives. Because we're not walking emotionally whole. We're not walking physically whole. We attempt to walk spiritually whole. But we're not understanding that the practices of Jesus, not just fasting, are to pull all of those together so that you don't feel separated. You actually feel whole. So if that's the case, and fasting is one of those practices that Jesus advocates, commands, and commends to us to do, what do we do? Well, before we get into the, fully into the next steps, it is easy, it is easy as this, or maybe as complex as this. You abstain from food. Let me just put it in food and water. We have gone to digital stuff, and I think that there's, there's great benefit to that, but you can translate it to whatever you need, but I think food and water are the basis. You abstain from food or water for a period of time. Just abstain from food and water for a period of time, or just drink water. Most fasts, before we get into this last section, most fasts in the Bible were only from sun, sun up to sundown. Just like, uh, you know, our Muslim friends and friends that we know. Most of them were only sun up to sundown. Very, very doable, but they help to reorient us to, the, to what is, to, to God and to being in his presence. So since, the, since fasting is a response to some of the things in our life, I just have a few questions that I want to ask as we walk through the next steps. One is to fast, I just encourage you to Fast. But let me ask you this. A sin got you pinned? Is there, a, you know, is there a sin that you cannot seem to cut its tether off you at all? 
the, the response is not to not to not only to say, Lord, show me how to navigate out of the sin, forgive me of, from it, but also is to redeem you and rescue you from the slavery that that's holding you. And, and fasting is one of those practices that will allow you the opportunity to come close to God and experience him and engage in him. Does God seem far away? Fast. Spend time fasting. Step away from those normal rhythms of eating and replace it with focus on God. Realize you're complicit in injustice in some place in your life. I think a proper response is, oh Lord, draw me into your presence. Show me even more. Show me you. But show me even more. Grief, sorrow, and death overwhelming. He wants you to draw close. And the last one. How about training the body and soul into wholeness? You want that body-soul wholeness? Seriously. I think it's one of those things that, that Jesus is at. He's, he's redeemed. His, he's redeemed. A resurrected body is a resurrected body. It's a wholeness. And I think we have that to look for. There's a prayer in um, the Anglican common book of prayer. And I think it's, it helps us to kind of combine some of the things that we've been talking about this morning and rightly places it in, in a good place. It says, Almighty God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Let me just stop there. Do we believe that? We have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Keep me both outwardly and in my body. Out, but keep me both outwardly in my body and inwardly in my soul, that I may defend, be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. We want the inward part of our bodies to be whole with the external and vice versa. And yet often they are working in different directions. Let's pray. Father God, you call us to fast. You call us in these days to to reconcile the uh, disordered desires, those splintered parts of us, in you not to get something but to be whole and we know that the only place we can find our wholeness is is in and with you we are grateful for the gifts that you give to us that you grant to us friends food homes other just lavish gifts Yet, Father, we want our wholeness, our dependence, our lives to be lived in you. You said, Jesus, that you are the the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through you. And, Father, uh, we want to come to you. We want to be found in you where peace and mercy and your reign 
are forever and ever. So Lord, lead us into the practice of fasting. Help us to deliberately and diligently set aside time to abstain from or to surrender completely from certain aspects of our lives so we can give ourselves totally and wholeheartedly to a holy God who loves us wholly. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen.